welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. This is episode 253. What has the Lord already done in this place? I realized when I was trying to wrap my mind around our very lengthy text for today. Now, we're not going to read the entire text. We're not even close. Uh, But as I was thinking through it, I kept getting stuck. And the word stuck a lot of times is thought of in a negative connotation, but not in this case. I kept getting stuck on this particular verse. So we have been making our way through the reign of King Solomon of Israel. And last week we talked about his unlikely friendships. Well, really, we're talking about how David, his dad, and his friendship, how that seemed to affect the ruler of another land, and that ruler is now in Solomon's life. And we're at the place where Solomon begins to build the famous temple. And there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of information in God's Word about the details of the temple. And if you look at 1 Kings 6, you've got one chapter there. Starts talking about it was in mid-spring in the month of Ziv during the fourth year of Solomon's reign that he began to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. And it goes into great detail regarding... um, Well, I would say almost, but it it might be every detail of the temple's construction. And if you go into 2 Chronicles, though, you go from 2 Chronicles 3.1 to 5.1, and you get even more detail about exactly how wide the most holy place was. Um, The two figures shaped like cherubim. I mean, it's... You could do a lengthy, lengthy Bible study, and others have done it previously on the tabernacle to look at each of the elements involved and why God ordained each of them in this place of worship. But what grabbed me more than anything else was Second Chronicles 3, 1. So Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite, the site that David had selected. And uh, you're probably going, now why in the world did that jump out at you? Well, Mount Moriah, it's not the first time we've heard about Mount Moriah. It's definitely not the first time we've heard about the word Moriah. So if you look in the Old Testament, 
there was a very, very, very famous event which happened in the area called Moriah. Whether it was exactly where the temple was built, that, eh, people, people go back and forth on that. But, so that event was Abraham and God's testing of him to see if he would sacrifice his son, Isaac. But what we know for absolute sure is Solomon starting construction on this sacred space. This is not the first time that there has been spiritual activity in this place. So, as we're thinking through this, and we're going to read back through some scriptures that it's not been that long ago, it was when we were finishing up with David, that we read through, but we're reading through it with different eyes. Because we're looking now specifically about this place. And I want you to think about the sacred spaces in your own life. It might be a church building, might be a prayer closet, might be somewhere in nature specifically. But I want you to reflect on what God has done there. I think I'm especially ripe for this particular topic today because I spent last week in my hometown. And there are some sacred spaces there that as I sit here this very moment I I remember God meeting me there in those places many of them are in certain regions of what is now the old church sanctuary where I grew up. And I love, love, love to visit in that place and to pray in those spots. Because I remember what God has done there. I thank Him for that. And I pray about whatever the Lord lays on my heart, whether it's about in my own life or whether it's in the life of those who now attend that church body. But this time, I didn't have peace that that was a place I could go. So, I prayed around it. I prayed on the outside of the building. Not the same effect, but God was near to me even there. So as we look at what happened first to get David to the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite, and what happened at that spot so that as we move into the next two to three weeks, as we're looking at when the temple is finished, and the 
absolutely out of this world worship service that happens at that place as part of the dedication that Solomon did of the temple to the Lord. We can be reminded that this wasn't the first time that God showed up and showed out in that space. And you know of places in your life where that is the case. You may have forgotten. You may have just been going about your daily life and and it may be a, a spot in your house where God met you there when you were in your desperation, but now because it's been a while ago and things have settled down, you forget just how precious the memories are in that place. I've told y'all many, many times that there's a certain spot in my living room where I stood and God met me in that space and this podcast was birthed maybe like one to two weeks later. It came out of that experience. We need to be reminded where God has met us and we need to look for opportunities where God wants to meet us now. So let's hop back to 1 Chronicles 21 and there are two areas of sin. I won't say two sins exactly, but two areas of sin for which David is most known. Now, to the majority of the world, including the church, David's greatest sin was either or, either or and. His adultery with Bathsheba and then the killing of her husband. That's what is automatic in most everyone's mind. But when we were studying 1 Chronicles 21, we talked about the fact that his sin, when it came to taking a census, because it was about his pride, David says, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. So even though, you know, just like you and I, we have this, this scale of sin in our, our heads. And to some of us, adultery is the unpardonable sin. Now, obviously, it is very bad. That's not a question, and it destroys lives. But then we have the sin of gluttony, and we wouldn't put that on the same level. We have this rating scale, but in... First Chronicles 21, and the, there was also an account in Kings as well, but you, you hear what happens when David takes this census and just how convicted he is and just how many lives are destroyed as a result of his sin. The number of lives that were destroyed as a result of his sin of senses is 
multiple, 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 multiple times more than what happened as a result of his sin against Bathsheba and against her husband. In First Chronicles 21, we, we see that Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census. And we talked about it when we were looking at this. In Kings, it talks about the fact that God caused David to take census. Now, we know that God did not tempt David to sin. But did God allow Satan to use this opportunity to test David? Absolutely, positively. It says, so David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, take a census of all the people. And, he, and, and Joab is like, why do you want to do this? I mean, Joab's not my favorite person. We've talked about this many, many times. But in this case, he's like, why do you want to do this? Why must you cause Israel to sin? It's pretty bad when Joab knows that it's not the right thing to do. But the king insisted that they take the census. And so Joab and his men went out and they took the census. And they checked out how many warriors there were. But Joab did not include the tribes of Levi and Benjamin in the census. He was so distressed at what the king had made him do. And so here we go to the judgment. In verse 7 it says, God was very displeased with the census and he punished Israel for it. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt by doing this foolish thing. Then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer. This was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of the punishments. And, and all the punishments were really, really bad. And David chose the punishment which involved the possibility of having mercy from God. He did not want to fall into the hands of others. He would rather fall into the Lord's hands and let the Lord do as he pleased. Verse 14, so the Lord sent a plague upon Israel and 70,000 people died as a result. This is where it begins. It just, this whole section right here, I want you to use that sanctified imagination. Verse 15, And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem, but just as the angel was preparing to destroy it, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop, that is enough. And that moment, the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Ding, 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 ding. We are at the spot here. David looked up. And saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with his sword drawn, reaching out over Jerusalem. So David and the leaders of Israel put on burlap to show their deep distress and fell face down on the ground. And David said to God, I am the one who called for the census. I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people are innocent as sheep. What have they done? O Lord my God, let your anger fall against me and my family, but do not destroy your people. Then the angel of the Lord told Gad to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord. Where? On the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him through Gad. Aruna, who was busy threshing wheat at the time, turned and saw the angel there. His four sons who were with him ran away and hid. When Aruna saw David approaching, he left his threshing floor, bowed before David with his face to the ground. And David ends up buying buying that property. And uh, 
At the end of the chapter, it says, When David saw the Lord had answered his prayer, he offered sacrifices there at Aruna's threshing floor. At that time, the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of burnt offering that Moses had made in the wilderness were located at the place of worship in Gibeon. But David was not able to go there to inquire of God because he was terrified by the drawn sword of the angel of the Lord. 22 verse 1, Then David said, This will be the location of the temple of the Lord God and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. And so this space, this sacred place where angels had tread, where God had moved, where God had been merciful, is the same place where Solomon, for the next seven years, will call upon multiple different craftsmen, laborers of all sorts, to build a temple to the Lord his God. This sacred space where the angels had guarded where one angel had stood with the sword is the place that we're going to hear about over and over and over again as we not only spend time looking at the worship that occurred at this place as Solomon dedicated the temple but we will see that this is not the last time that we either hear of spiritual warfare on this place or we know that it has occurred because as we look at the divided kingdom, which is not for the faint of heart to read, we're going to see the temple be a central focus for evil at times. And when the people repent, and when the king is in a good place with the Lord, that king seeks to reopen the temple, repair the temple. So much focuses on that temple because it is the place where God's people went to worship together. So, think about the sacred spaces in your life. Whether it's a church building, a prayer closet, or a place in nature. Reflect on what the Lord has done there. You know, you may not have seen an angel with a sword. But that didn't mean an angel with a sword wasn't there. It may be a place where you were in a, an accident. And they're not sure humanly how you survived. I have to believe that angels, just like in Psalm 91, that God's angels have charge over us to guard, of, guard us in all of their ways. Where are those places in your life? And is it possible that today 
or within the next few days, you can revisit them. Whether it be physically to revisit them or whether it be to allow your imagination to take you back to that spot. I think about some of my absolute favorite places. One is on a mountaintop. And even though I physically cannot go there at the moment, I can close my eyes and imagine standing at that overlook where I would go to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Before I came to New Orleans, that was one of the places where I truly inquired of the Lord. And it's good for us to remember. That's why I wanted to reflect today to go back to this place because here we have this place where the temple was being built. We have, it, it, David didn't come to it as a place of celebration going, this is where the Lord's temple is going to be built. David had just greatly sinned. And in this place, God had passed judgment on the people of Israel, but God also showed mercy on the people. And on Jerusalem in particular. Not all of the places that are sacred in our life are places of happiness. You may have places where God met you and it's sacred to you not because it's a place of happiness, but a place of deep pain. But you know, no, 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 that the Lord held you, that the Lord was there, that the Lord fulfilled his promise that he would neither leave you nor forsake you. Take some time to reflect. Take some time to thank the Lord. Take some time. to make where you are right now a sacred place where you meet with the Lord. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is free to share, free to listen to for you. There's information down below on how you can get the other 252 episodes there's a QR code at the bottom. There's information about the other scriptures as well as different commentaries that I use. Information on our social media accounts. And if you have questions, concerns, prayer requests, whatever it may be, you can reach out to me at encouragingothersinlovingjesus at gmail.com. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm-hmm.